You're listening to From the Sea Up, a podcast from the Island Institute. I'm Galen Koch. On a sweltering day in July, I meet Deanne Tibbetts in Booth Bay Harbor. Deanne is a teacher, and she's also the president of the Booth Bay Region Maritime Foundation. You know where we're going, Red? <laughs> Today, Deanne and her son's girlfriend, Ren, are taking me on a tour of Booth Bay Harbor. But I'm not here just to see the sights. I'm here because Deanne and others have been fighting to preserve an ever-shrinking working waterfront. So we're going to kind of start by what used to be Captain Fish's, which is now... I've lived in Maine my entire life, and I can't believe it, but I'd never been to Booth Bay Harbor before this July morning with Deanne. The town is this region's epicenter of waterfront activity. And in late July, the harbor is incredibly busy. There are small cruise ships, tons of pleasure boats, seaside restaurants, and condominiums. The harbor is peppered with mooring balls, lobster buoys, pleasure boats, and floating docks full of fishing gear. Since most of the guys um, don't have waterfront, these floats are their only place to store gear, work on gear. Booth Bay Harbor has been one of Maine's tourist playgrounds for a long time. It was a haven for rusticators as early as the 1880s, when summer tourists came to the region by steamship. The town's bustling waterfront is chock full of art galleries, souvenir shops, restaurants, and hotels that cater to summer visitors. But on the east side of the harbor, you'll see lobster buying stations, bait companies, and other marine services that support a vibrant generational fishing community here. As someone relatively unfamiliar with Booth Bay Harbor, it's surprising to see just how active this town's east side working waterfront is. The region has over a hundred licensed lobstermen. On the boat with Deanne, we watch fishing vessels offload pogies, the colloquial name for Menhaden, at the town pier. And we pass dozens of lobster boats selling their catch in the afternoon sun. This is a tradition. This is a way of life. And people say that all the time, but I don't really think people get it. In the past decade, an increase in waterfront development and zoning changes has strained and shrunk this town's working waterfront zone to just four properties. That made some Booth Bay Harbor residents worry that commercial access to the water could be completely lost. And so, individuals and organizations in this town took action. The pressure on Booth Bay Harbor's waterfront is part of a statewide trend. In 2006, Island Institute's mapping project, The Last 20 Miles, identified that along Maine's 5,300-mile coastline, there were only 20 miles of working waterfront access. That's about 0.003% of Maine's coastal land. Those last 20 miles of working waterfront are broken down into access points, and these access points are critical for Maine's fishermen and aquaculturists. Uh, we have communities and industries, fisheries, aquaculture, other marine-related industries that are reliant on a tiny, thin ribbon of, of property that is their nexus, their connection to the ocean. That's Jonathan Labry, who oversees the community department at the Gulf of Maine Research Institute. He's thought a lot about waterfront access. So much of the business takes place out on the ocean, but they rely on that little tiny strip of land that has just the right structures on it. It has wharves, it has piers, maybe ramps, uh, could have derricks, 
warehouses, uh, places for trucks to come and go, places to leave gear for a little while, to tend gear. These access points can be piers or boat ramps, like Jonathan said. And they can also be right-of-ways, public or private trails that lead to clam beds or aquaculture sites. It's a small piece of property, it's a small amount of land, but it's absolutely critical. The coastal properties that make up Maine's last miles of working waterfront are easy to take for granted, but they are not, generally, a protected resource. Those boat ramps, parking lots, and even piers are often privately owned in towns without specific zoning that protects working waterfront districts. And as development increases along Maine's coast, these properties are being bought and sold to the highest bidder for development or private ownership. Yeah, the market value of this piece of real estate could easily outstrip um, the ability for traditional industries to pay for it uh, because they're competing with, with a market that's really entirely different from the one that they operate in. The ocean is this incredibly uh, abundant and rich resource that we derive a lot of food from, we derive a livelihood from, um, and yet we can, we can easily get priced out of accessing those resources and those livelihoods if we lose that working waterfront. Some development projects like hotels, condominiums, or even seaside resorts are economically beneficial to the state of Maine and the people who live here. But these kinds of uses are often incompatible with marine industries like fishing and aquaculture. Here's Jeff Nichols, the communications director at the Maine Department of Marine Resources. Coastal communities along Maine's coast face development pressure uh, that is not conducive or supportive um, of access to the waterfront for fishermen or for aquaculturists. And Maine's commercial fishing and aquaculture industries, they are vital sectors of our state's economy. In 2021, these sectors of the state's economy made nearly $900 million in revenue and supported tens of thousands of jobs in the commercial fisheries. A lot of times people think about the seafood supply chain and they, you know, they may forget that the ability to get to and from the water and bring your product to shore and have a place to land it is a, is a vital part of that supply chain, but it really is. The working waterfront is the link between land and sea. And sometimes this part of the seafood supply chain can look like, well, not a whole lot. It can look like an empty parking lot where trucks load or turn around. It can look like a slightly sloping, unpaved boat ramp that allows an access point for fishermen and aquaculturists to launch skiffs. These critical pieces of Maine's marine industry are sometimes almost invisible. And they're also easy to lose. Here's Jonathan Labry again. And then once it's gone, it's really difficult to go back. Once you've got a, a building on there, a hotel on there, once you've got use that's not really associated with working waterfront, it's going to be even more expensive, even more difficult to kind of put that back into, into working land. The competition for coastal land and waterfront access is obvious along Booth Bay Harbor's waterfront. And then these are privately owned this little blue one, and then, and then there's a law office right there in the gray one. From the boat with Deanne, I can see the Booth Bay Harbor Inn and Gulf Resort, two large, gray, ocean-facing buildings owned by Paul Kalum, a developer and philanthropist who's invested over $100 million in the region. 
In 2018, Kulum and other community members started pushing for a change to the zoning that had protected the Maritime Use District on Booth Bay Harbor's east side for over 30 years. It was a time in our community when um, people were expressing a lot of interest in development on the east side. Um, At that time, it was a maritime district, which had restrictions as far as um, what, what you could build. It was in favor of working waterfront and they wanted to change that to allow for condominiums and um, a conference center and hotels, and they, w- they wanted to be able to do those types of development. For Deanne, those murmurings about a zoning change were cause for concern. The rezoning proposal would make 77% of the Maritime District into a limited commercial district, allowing for non-marine-related industries to be built on the east side. We felt that there were possible changes coming down the road that might eliminate any any working waterfront over there, especially, you know, the, everything over there is privately owned. So if the price was right and um, people were interested in getting out of the, the business, it might be a good time for them to go in a different direction. At the same time, there were rumors that the owner of Carter's Wharf, Douglas Carter, was looking to retire meaning that a critical buying station and lobster pier where 30 fishermen tied their boats might go up for sale. So at that point, what I did was I gathered some fishermen together from various wharves, not just the Carters, and just asked if anybody else was concerned that potentially these properties could be lost and they might not have access. Not only would they not have access, but we would lose a a big part of our heritage. And um, I think those wharves reflect what we are as a community, where we've been as a community, and hopefully, you know, the future of our community. It's, It's part of our culture. In response to the proposed zoning changes and to show their support for commercial fishermen, Deanne and other community members founded the nonprofit organization, Booth Bay Region Maritime Foundation, and Deanne became the nonprofit's president. The organization's mission is to preserve maritime heritage by supporting the working waterfront and educating the public about the region's fishing heritage. One of the ways the organization sought to preserve that heritage was by buying Carter's Wharf with the help of anonymous donations. Donors approached us and said, you know, that they had heard that we were interested in in preserving this property and that they would like to purchase it and donate it to us. So. Um, they purchased it. We hired a lawyer and did the, the paperwork to get the nonprofit um, established, and that was done in September. That was in September 2018. In May 2019, just six months later, the threat of a rezoned waterfront became a reality. Booth Bay Harbor residents voted by a small margin to downsize the maritime water-dependent district on the east side of the harbor to just 23%, allowing for the other 77% to go to limited commercial use. The new working waterfront district extends from the Fish Pier, which is town-owned, to the Booth Bay Lobster Wharf, and includes four properties that must be used by water-dependent businesses. With these zone changes and increased development pressures on the east side, it became clear that buying Carter's Wharf wasn't enough. Booth Bay Harbor Maritime Foundation wanted to make sure that the property would remain working waterfront forever. And so they applied to a state program 
called the Working Waterfront Access Protection Program. And it took us three years to finalize the paperwork on that, but we just signed off on that in May of this year. The Working Waterfront Access Protection Program, or WAP for short, is funded by the Land for Maine's Future Program in partnership with the Maine Department of Marine Resources. Started in 2005, the program allows a landowner, or in the case of Booth Bay Region Maritime Foundation, a landowning organization, to use public funds to help protect working waterfront property. Once that land is protected, it enters what's called a working waterfront covenant and can't be developed beyond what's necessary for working waterfront activity. Here's Jeff Nichols from the Department of Marine Resources. It was uh, really an acknowledgement by the legislature that um, it's really critically important to protect strategically significant working waterfront properties. To date, 30 commercial properties have, have been uh, protected uh, as a result of that, uh, that program. The Working Waterfront Covenant ensures that Carter's Wharf, which is within the Working Waterfront District, is secured as an access point for commercial fishing. This was important to Deanne and Booth Bay Region Maritime Foundation because the new Working Waterfront Zone protects properties for water-dependent use, but not specifically for commercial fishing. So it is an accomplishment for us to know that long into the future, that property will forever be commercial fishing working waterfront. The Working Waterfront Access Protection Program might not be the solution for all working waterfront access preservation. It's a competitive program. The application is complex, it requires a one-to-one -one funding match, and it can take a long time. The Booth Bay Region Maritime Foundation spent three years finalizing the paperwork for their Working Waterfront Covenant. And because WAP is a state program, Maine wants to make sure it's making a good investment. Here's Nick Batista, Chief Policy Officer at the Island Institute. The state is paying the working waterfront owner for that covenant, and that comes from public funds. And so when the state is doing that, they want to make sure they're getting good value for those public funds, and they're getting a working waterfront that can endure and be an important part of our coastal economy forever. Saving Maine's working waterfronts will require multiple solutions. Some important waterfront properties might not be a good fit for the Working Waterfront Access Protection Program because they need to be preserved immediately. If somebody is selling a working waterfront and they want to exit and they want to get out, that might happen a lot faster or in a way that the state can't jump in and, and help support it. That's one of the reasons that Island Institute has announced their support of a bill that's currently in the state's legislative session. That bill makes it possible for land trusts to participate in the process of securing a working waterfront covenant, providing additional support to landowners who might want to preserve working coastal land. Maine's 80-plus land trusts hold more than 2.34 million acres of publicly accessible land. Those organizations are experienced land stewards, and the proposed bill would allow fisheries organizations and private landowners to partner with that network. This is important because a conservation easement, like a working waterfront covenant, can dictate the use of a property, but without someone to enforce that protection, the land is still vulnerable.
One of the unresolved issues facing working waterfront properties all along the coast is how to maintain the infrastructure that supports commercial fisheries and aquaculture. To get a sense of what that looks like in Booth Bay Harbor, Deanne takes us to some of the Eastside Working Waterfront District properties on foot to see the businesses and operations up close. On the town-owned Fish Pier, a property just west of Carter's Wharf, I meet Chuck Fuller. <laughs> I am the owner here, but I don't know, I'm not normally working down here. We have other Chuck owns Harbor here. Bait, they're, they're a company that leases space on the pier, along with their neighbor, the lobster company, Atlantic Edge. The, the pier near needs attention, uh, there's, there's no question. There, there are things we'd like to do, um, you know, we're limited on space. Well, you can see what's going on here, and uh, you should have seen it when, when we were unloading the purse saner. Harbor Bait's footprint is small but efficient. There's a slip for the purse saner, a vessel rigged to fish for herring or pogies, an office, and an empty parking lot where barrels are loaded with fish. On the shore, I watched the pogie operation we saw from the water. The fish that were landed this morning are in blue and white barrels. They're being salted with a big blue hose. It's chaos, and, you know, we have three forklifts going, and um, this is quiet right now. Uh, you know, we've got on any given day, we've got 20 to 50 boats that come and get bait from us. People come by truck. The pier has wooden pilings and, while charming in its authenticity, is obviously in need of an upgrade. Carter's Wharf also needs its own upgrades. Booth Bay Region Maritime Foundation plans to rebuild the pier and a warehouse that serves as a buying station for their tenant, Luke's Lobster. And they want to repair the pier adjacent to Carter's Wharf. The infrastructure needs are daunting, but without improvements, these wharves will become unusable for current or future fisheries. Here's Deanne Tibbetts. And if we do build a facility, we need to make sure that we can land multiple species, that it's flexible space to accommodate who knows what's down the road, whether it's seaweed harvesting or buying multiple species of different kinds of fish. Um, so keeping the space as flexible as possible. Booth Bay Region Maritime Foundation continues to move forward on plans to rebuild Carter's Wharf. They hope to have a new pier by the summer. And despite the financial burden, they're constantly adapting as they deal with contractors, permits, and funding. There are threats to the working waterfront and commercial fisheries that go beyond access. Impending regulations to protect right whales may be imposed on the lobster fishery in six years. And climate change in the Gulf of Maine could have a big effect on the ocean's ecosystem. There's the threat of increasing storm surge and sea level rise, of ocean acidification and shifting global markets. But access points like Carter's Wharf, the town pier, and private buying stations are crucial to the supply chain. They're crucial for the resilience and future adaptation of Maine's fisheries and sea farms. I think one thing we've learned from looking at history is that the species changes, the, the focus of the working waterfront may change, but the need for working waterfront is always there, regardless of what the purpose is. And if we lose sight of that because of our immediate situation, then down the road we're stuck. We don't have any, any access. And as long as our coastline is for sale to the highest bidder, fishing can't compete with that. People want to live on the coast of Maine 
And if we don't do something to secure those properties, we won't have access in the future. Before this episode's credits, I want to highlight a few other programs and initiatives in the state of Maine and Booth Bay Harbor that are working to preserve working waterfront access. The Maine Coast Fishermen's Association developed the Working Waterfront Inventory Template, which gives towns and local governments the tools to assess the current state of their working waterfront. This tool will provide an up-to-date assessment of access points for commercial fishermen and aquaculturists, an assessment that's critical in order to understand what is at risk of being lost. You can read more about that project at maincoastfishermen.org slash working hyphen waterfront hyphen inventory. Another group in Booth Bay Harbor, the Booth Bay Waterfront Preservation Group, is a nonprofit organization that's developing a public park that will include a pier and tie-ups for lobster boats and space for trap storage. This project combines working waterfront access with public access to open natural spaces. You can learn about that organization at www.boothbayharborwaterfrontpreservation.com. Special thanks to Deanne Tibbetts and the Booth Bay Region Maritime Foundation for participating in this episode. To learn more about BRMF, visit www.boothbayregionmaritimefoundation.org. Thanks also to Chuck Fuller at Harbor Bait and Kristen and Nick Page at Atlantic Edge Lobster and to the town of Booth Bay Harbor. Thanks for listening to From the Sea Up. This episode was written and produced by me, Galen Koch, and assistant producer Olivia Jolly for Island Institute. Nicole Wolf takes the photographs that accompany this episode. From the Sea Up senior editors are Isaac Kestenbaum and Josie Holtzman. Most of the music in this episode is by Q Shop. You can hear more of their tunes at www.q-shop.com. From the Sea Up is made possible by the Fund for Maine Islands through a partnership between Island Institute, College of the Atlantic, Maine Sea Grant, and the First Coast. To hear past episodes and for more information, visit www.islandinstitute.org slash podcast.